1: welcome to The Parenthood. As the summer holidays approach and the world opens up again, we can start to actually do what we've been dreaming of doing during lockdown, travel again. But for parents of both young children and teenagers, the dream can often be better than the reality. While parents are seduced by adventure and exploration, babies often find it hard to be happy out of a familiar environment. And teenagers feel resentful at being deprived of friends and screens and would have been much happier staying at home. With me today is someone who is passionate about the benefits of travel, believing that holidays or as a family are not only an opportunity to bond, but also a vital part of education, a chance to show our children the world, different cultures, and allow them to cultivate a broader view of what our world really looks like. Tom Barber is the father of four, uh, the founder of uh, Original Travel who believes that if the right holiday choices are made at the right time, with realistic, practical and honest advice given about where you go and what you do, travel with children need not be stressful, but rather a magical experience that you'll never forget. Tom, thank you so much uh, for being here today. I have to ask, as the father of four children, I mean, you sort of have double the chaos that I have when I travel. Have you ever had a terrible travel experience uh, as a family or because you're a pro, did you always get it right?
0: Uh, I have definitely, oh, hello, thank you for having me, first of all, I've, I've definitely had moments of of putting my head in my hands, for sure, but more often than not, that's been kind of external factors. Um, I can think of one particular disaster, we'd had a very fun skiing holiday, but on the flight back from Switzerland, we were about 10 minutes from landing in London, and the pilot came on and said, um, the co-pilot's feeling ill and we're going to have to turn back to Zurich. And everyone was just looking at each other going, why didn't we just land in London? Um, And people were getting quite insistent with the um, cabin crew, but they turned around, flew an hour and a half back to Zurich and then plopped us into a um, pretty grotty airport hotel for 24 hours, that that slightly tried everyone's patience. But yeah, there, there there are inevitably going to be moments. I think the key is to anticipate what those kind of danger moments might be and smooth them out in advance or how to deal with them as and when they come along. But no, it would be a a bare face lie if I were to say that there hadn't been kind of some uh, flashpoints, shall we say, on on trips I've been on with my children.
1: I know, but I, I guess that's part of the joy of travel is that you're often having to deal with the unexpected. You know, the itinerary isn't always the itinerary. And actually, that's a crucial lesson in life, especially today, where our children probably mostly experience what they expect. And actually, dealing with the unexpected is is an important life lesson. And I guess travel gives us the opportunity to to show that to our children.
0: I, I completely agree. I think that is on a broader travel front than just traveling with children. You know, there's a, a wide range of different types of trip you can go on, from a kind of fly-on-flop sitting at, on the beach at your hotel, which absolutely has its merits, but I certainly believe that travel should be a bit more adventurous than that and you know, not be overly prescriptive, of course, put, pack it full of activities and adventures and get guides in to kind of really kind of scratch me the surface of particular places or cultures, but at the same time, you should leave room for exploration where you just kind of stride out one day from a hotel and go, okay, let's just go and explore this city or whatever it is, um, that's, that's, uh, that's crucial.
1: So, your children are now aged between sort of nine and 14. So, you've had the sort of practical um, experience of doing it yourself, as well as the professional experience of organizing and tailoring holidays. Um, in terms of sort of general tips, what I, mean, I often hear parents just end up saying, Oh my God, holidays were just so stressful. I hadn't realized that holiday is no longer a holiday with a child and clearly this is not always the case it's probably the parents are just getting it wrong uh, what do we do that is wrong what are what are the tips for us to sort of avoid
0: I think the, the crucial mistake is to think that it's going to be the same as it was before you had children and that applies to whether you've got teenagers or toddlers um, it, it isn't the same and never will be again um, and rather forces home the point that one should also carve out time to do holidays as a couple as well. I think that's incredibly important that they seem much more wonderful for the fact that they are being done (laughs) again and not with kind of screaming children um, in earshot. But yeah, I, I think I think the crucial thing is to look at all of the age groups of children as independent challenges. Um, And then you have to layer on the fact that if you have children who fit into two or more of those age groups, then you're juggling different criteria and concerns. So I would always look at children in terms of kind of naught to 4, and then probably 5 to 8 year olds, and then tween ages, so they're kind of 9 to 12, and then the dreaded teens themselves. So they are all, they all need to be approached with different sensitivities and concerns and um, desires in mind I think really.
1: And if you do have children that span those sort of age ranges you've obviously you kind of want to do stuff together I mean obviously not always but for a lot of the time and you, you're you going on a holiday you're not going on a holiday per child how do you manage that do you suit everything to the youngest child?
0: Yeah, completely That that is almost rule one of travelling of, um, with children is you have to tailor it to the to the youngest because they might not be particularly interested in going around another kind of Romanesque church. Um, They're also going to get tired much quicker. Um, It all has to be based around their requirements. And of course, you can drop in other things. And uh, another factor that we see increasingly is parents taking off one child at a time, potentially to have a a bonding weekend one-on-one, which means you can dedicate that time entirely to the interests and age of that particular child. But yeah, rule one, if you have more than one child, the, the holiday has to be based around that youngest child's age.
1: And does that kind of cause resentment amongst the older children? Or do they generally actually get it and quite like the fact that they are sort of helping the youngest child or you know, seeing the joy of that youngest child as they do these things?
0: I think that depends on the child or the children raise an eyebrow at any parent who said that there hadn't been resentment from one of their children aimed at another one. You know, it's kind of almost instinctive, isn't it, that you uh, think that you're being slightly unfairly dealt with and that one of the other children is is the favourite. That's probably an inevitability, I Um, But yes, at the same time, children are capable of, you know, wonderful acts of generosity and generous thinking. And there are absolutely moments when they see their younger siblings having a fun time and while it might not be their idea of the perfect moment on a perfect holiday, they can definitely see that it's lovely for the youngest.
1: Because I think doing activities is quite a bonding thing. It's, I've certainly found that with my children, we went on a holiday recently, we went sort of co-steering and we were scrambling along the rocks and my children both loved that. But there was a real buzz at the end of it. And I think, you know, it was a lovely thing to do. Um, Presumably, though, you can either choose activities that will suit everyone or potentially if you're going to do something a bit more challenging. You know, we're so lucky that um, a lot of hotels nowadays offer, offer kids clubs. So you could potentially encourage your youngest to go and spend a few hours in the kids club while you do something with the older children.
0: That's completely right. I think with with very young children, so the naught falls the the kids club at the hotel is one of the most important factors of all. Now, I'm not advocating for a second that people dump their children in in the kids club all day, every day, and, and you know never see them. Um, but the kids club is very very important, and and it does come down to you know we're we're not necessarily just about hotels. That's that's we, we would like to think we're much more about activities and overall experience, but the hotel, particularly on a family is important. So if you've got young ones, kids are very important. Um, And as you say, a range of activities. I think activities are crucial, full stop. So as you say, bonding around, be it snorkelling or skiing or sailing or another activity is is incredibly special. And for me, the the one is getting back in a boat after snorkelling expedition with the children and all sitting there and recounting, recounting what we've seen. You know, did you see the pufferfish? Did you see the moray eel? I think that's magical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In terms of um, where to go when, you know, just sort of broadly speaking, can you give me some ideas of sort of like if you've got a sort of first trip with a baby, what are you going to be looking for in a holiday for that?
0: Uh, I keep it simple, but funnily enough, I mean, long haul flights are a risk. Uh, at any stage um, so your probably best bet with a wee one is, is Europe and it's actually quite surprising, it is amazing how few really top quality, and I don't just mean top price um, fam, young family hotels there are in the Mediterranean, you'd think that was a, a given but uh, and of course a lot of hotels claim to be family friendly but 10, 15 hotels that really really get that right so you've got to know where to look, but definitely keep it simple on trip one. Um, and it's probably going to involve some sea um, and some sand and splashing around. As, yeah, as a kind of, with yeah, a scenery. A toe in the water as such.
1: And then when they get a bit older, um, what are you sort of looking for, sort of preschool age?
0: Uh, well, preschool, I think when they're pre-nursery, um, try and make the most of it because they're not into the system yet. So you've got probably two years, even after having a kid where you can still go when you know, it's entirely on your terms, you're not having to pay over the odds for flights because you're in school holidays. So I would absolutely make the most of, of that and, and travel off season, or just you know, slightly before or after school holidays. Um, that would be kind of top bit of advice for, for toddlers and, and pre preschoolers.
1: Um, And then in terms of the the sort of school-aged children, what do they sort of typically like to do when that's probably the time where they want to get into sort of slightly more adventurous stuff?
0: Absolutely. I think, well, some people argue that you should get your children skiing, for example, as early as four. Um, Some people think we introduce it a little bit later. I heard some wise old instructor Last year, say, if you start them at four and you start them at seven, they're probably about the same standard at the age of 10, because a four-year-old isn't really kind of able to take on board the instructions and they haven't got the strength to kind of repeat good habits. So that would be something to bear in mind. But absolutely, once they're they're a school age, you can start drip feeding in some activities and anything to do with water is always going to be a hit, I would suspect, with most five to eight-year-olds
1: and then presumably by the time you've got the sort of tweens and the teens you're able to do really adventurous things you know long haul um, stuff that's potentially quite challenging um, and that's what's really rewarding but it's probably not worth doing that beforehand
0: totally and and you can definitely introduce a dollar of culture as well so ours have done Paris and uh, Rome as kind of seven, eight year olds and as long as you're refueling them with gelatos on a Kind of strategically regular basis, you can you can lure them around a, a city like Paris or Rome pretty pretty comfortably from from seven or eight, and and they love it as well, I think. But yeah, activities are again even more crucial at that point. Um, you can introduce a little bit of culture as well, so you know, block them in front of a temple, take them around the Colosseum, and that sort of thing. Their their imaginations will be let loose at that point, and I think actually that's a that's also the moment to think about having a guide now obviously we would always recommend that people take a guide when they're looking at, around or at something which is particularly fascinating and has a, an angle that you might not know yourself but i think there's a there are guides and there are guides and there are some guides who are very dry very academic and simply unsuited to dealing with families so we would always always make sure that the guide in question when they're dealing with a family with the young children had something fun about them and, and could kind of think in their own head how best to engage the children. So to use the Colosseum as an example, again, you know, you want to be getting them sitting there gawping at this place and imagining what it was like with gladiators and lions being unleashed on poor, terrified Christians. Um, and that's the guide, the guide really is kind of central to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, for years I saw slightly cheesy guides sort of doing tours of you know places that I was and thinking, oh God, I'd never do that. And actually, I do remember getting a guide when we were visiting uh, Quito, I think, and it was just spectacular because, of course, she took us to all these places that we'd never have found and told us so much about them that we'd never found out from a guidebook. And it was actually so great for the whole family.
0: Uh, I agree. A guide just for your family, for example, who could take you... You know, even one street removed from the main drag somewhere and pointing out little points that you would never have clocked yourself. I think it's a game changer, potentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for many parents, getting to their destination is sometimes the biggest sort of challenge, especially sort of navigating airports and flying with toddlers and babies is notoriously difficult. Um, uh, how, have you got any tips in terms of how to deal with that?
0: Things like having assistance at the airport is incredibly useful, so turning up and being met by someone who will then usher you through helps immeasurably because you're already, you haven't got enough hands to to look after everyone, Um, and that is a service that would always help, I think. Um, You've got to be organised as well, I think that's probably the most important, particularly with youngsters. Um, Make sure you're... Handbag, it just got all the necessary items just in case there are disasters on board or obviously at the airport beforehand. Nappy sacks, mus- muslins, sterilized bottles, all that.
1: Change of clothes. I've clothes for for a child and
0: parent for the inevitable kind of projectile vomit. You know, it's it's, it's not glamorous, but uh, but it's it's worth bearing in mind. And I think obviously we, we do this, but any. travel company will also should provide you with information about you know the best tactics for dealing with an airport or it's those kind of long boring moments and they are unfortunately more and more often when you're at the airport and you're stuck in some interminable queue you know anything that can distract or so we provide children with kind of quizzes and fun challenges airport challenges and that sort of thing just to kind of take their minds off the off the boring elements
1: Yeah, I think the queuing is often the sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back. I remember when my children were small, traveling to Portugal, and the flight was okay, the children were just holding on, and then we got to the car rental, and there was like an hour and a half queue, and I was like this is too much, this is just... And actually I remember then going back and having a car delivered to the hotel or actually I think even taking a taxi to the hotel not even bothering with the car because it was just so much easier and little things like that that you suddenly navigate and then they got the wrong car seat and taking as much of that sort of unknown out of it is, I found really helpful.
0: Absolutely, you just said, if you're going to a popular airport, we would arrange for the, the car to meet you at the hotel and then you're not having a kind of Fight with seventeen other families for the last car seat, and you just jump in a transfer or cab and make your own way there immediately. And that, that's you know that's a that's a little tip that is an absolute winner.
1: When I'm on a flight, you know it's always that takeoff and landing that you just see this kind of symphony of of children screaming. Um, is there anything we can do about their ears popping?
0: Uh, there is, and with a, a very little one, always try and coordinate so that you're feeding them either on takeoff or landing or both depending on the the flight. Landing is very often worse than takeoff. So that's the the kind of real flashpoint I think for most. Give them a little chewy sweet or something as you are coming into land just so they're getting their lollipops
1: I found helpful. Exactly.
0: Anything that they're sucking or chewing that will hopefully kind of pop their ears is is crucial. Um, There is one Kind of emergency measure that I haven't fortunately had to try but some people swear by is if you ask the stewardess for cotton wool in a, in a plastic cup and if you pour a little bit of hot water just a very little bit of hot water onto the cotton wool and then put the glass up to the ear the cotton wool um, and hot water should create a vacuum and that might theoretically pop the ear but I've not actually had to try that so I can't vouch for it myself but that that is a kind of emergency measure.
1: And as we kind of progress on to the sort of 5 to 8 year olds um what 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 would you recommend as important when sort of booking a holiday
0: activities I think at that point you know even if that activity is a beach where they can go kayaking or it's a a beach where you can build epic sandcastles it's all about they're they're not going to be reading particularly much. I wouldn't have thought that. Well, they may when they kind of finally crash out at the end of the evening, but it's all about keeping them busy.
1: Actually, Um, I found talking books were brilliant because actually sometimes they just wanted to flop under an umbrella, but I didn't want to be reading to them. I wanted to be reading my book. So actually having some audible talking books that they could just listen to with some headphones was actually a really nice before they could kind of lie on a sun lounger
0: and read. That's a very, very good call, actually. And, yeah, it is important that there are moments, particularly kind of midday sun, when you, do, you don't want them tearing around on the beach because then you're going to pay the price of it later on that one.
1: Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's the time that you do need to start being really...
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options,
1: buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more Organised about holidays because as soon as they're in the school system, it's just so much more inflexible, and things get booked up, don't they? In terms of flights, in terms of um, in terms of holidays and availability. So, you ideally want to be kind of planning your holidays what six months in advance, more than that.
0: The, the earlier, the better. I think we still all have this slight misconception that um, if you leave it to the last minute, you'll get a good deal. Now, that may be the case on some package holiday providers because they have obviously bought the room, bought the flights, and if they realize a couple of weeks beforehand that they've still got spare capacity, they will reduce that. But if you want anything more tailor-made or kind of complicated than a literal fly and flop, you are always, always better at booking that many, many months in advance. And particularly with family holidays, because you are kind of shoehorned into these very tight school holiday periods, Unfortunately, you do get a situation where the airlines are fairly unscrupulous and add a naught as a result, which is something that's happened for years and will continue to happen. There's not an awful lot we can do about that, but it actually makes it even more important that you book as soon as you know. And if you do book with a tour operator, they should be able to hold flights for you. So you're not even having to pay for anything, but you can just get it squared away and kind of not have to worry about the flight element. But yeah, genuinely, the earlier the better
1: um and actually i always found because you obviously know your kids terms date so you can actually kind of plan quite a lot in advance going right are we going to do something in the easter holidays if so what weeks are going to be let's be really organized because in my experience you know like you said there's a handful of great places they offer truly good service they deliver what they say they're going to deliver and everything is sort of a joy and there are a whole bunch of hotels that offer that but don't deliver that and it's always the really good stuff that consistently delivers that is always the first to go it's as simple as that
0: Completely, and and those are sort of hotels. It's quite quite a good way of knowing what they are, is because when we speak to them, they're like, "We're sorry, we're already full," or um, "We're ninety percent full," and it's all with families who are rebooking for the kind of tenth straight year, and then you know that that place is doing it right. And and as you say, these are few and far between these places. So I think I think when you're getting a bit more adventurous with an itinerized holiday where you're kind of moving around, then you've got room for flexibility. But obviously, if it's just a fly and flop, then that is very much the case that they will get booked up hugely far in advance.
1: Yeah. And I suppose if you go on a holiday and you think, oh, my God, I definitely want to do this next year, just book it immediately.
0: Completely. there's There won't be any kind of enforced payment, um, I think particularly nowadays, post-pandemic. Everyone's being a bit more understanding in terms of a, the amount of the deposit and the flexibility on the deposit. So, yeah, there's there's no harm in, in getting something in the diary and just, you know, if if things are looking like they might have to change near the time. So a bit, and most tour operators, well, if you paid your, let's say, your 20% deposit, but you suddenly decide you want to change location, I think you'd be pretty unlucky and pretty cross to find that someone said, sorry, you know, we're, we're taking the deposit. You should be transferable to whatever else it is that you want to do instead.
1: Yeah. Teenagers are often the, you know, I remember when my children were little thinking, oh God, it will be so much easier when they're teenagers Mm -hmm. and they'll be able to kind of travel and plug into a screen and read around the pool and we can sort of enjoy the same things. But you're obviously getting to that stage where sort of hormonally things are getting a little bit more challenging. (laughs) They're giving you quite a lot of jip. How, what works best when it comes to sort of teenagers?
0: Well, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we've just had our first true encounter of this, which was a holiday to Mexico in the Easter holidays. And we had um, a, a nine-year-old, so essentially, a kind of, well, early tween, and then a 12-year-old, so a full-on tween, and then two 14-year-olds whose interests are entirely different than they would have been a couple of years beforehand. And the interesting thing was we, we booked to go to Mexico in April 2020, and obviously that didn't happen. So basically we did exactly the same trip, but two years later, and suddenly we had to think that all the places we were going, all the things we were doing, which would have been perfect for a seven, 10, um, 12 year olds, wouldn't necessarily work for a couple of 14 year olds. So a little bit of tweaks here and there, but yeah, it it is a totally different challenge. one I'm looking forward to, but, yeah, challenge will be the octave word. I and
1: I suppose remembering that, you know, lumping them all together as teens is, is probably not the greatest idea because a 13-year-old is very different to a 19-year-old.
0: Totally. That's, you know, here, there I was kind of putting people into different categories. Within teenagers, there are subcategories. So a 13-year-old and a 19-year-old, they are united by the suffix. but other than that you know a 13 year old and 19 year old are entirely different beasts with with very different interests so again there's another thing you have to to bear in mind um a 13 or 14 year old will still be interested in some of the things a 12 year old would have been interested in they may not admit it anymore but you know a 19 year old wants to be an adult well Teenagers kind of as part of that, but a 19 year old really wouldn't want to be doing what a 12 year old is doing, for example. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a challenge, but I think there's also great pleasure in traveling with teenagers because they, there's nothing they can't do at that point. You know, that they are going to be interested in potentially all the things that adults are interested in. You can go on a proper safari, it's, it's suddenly the and um, you know they've got stamina, so you can go on really quite hard, or walking all day, or whatever it is. Everything's then in play. But of course, if you've got younger ones, then rule one applies that you still have to factor that in.
1: I think when we're planning and uh, dare I say paying for our holidays, we sort of imagine that we're going to have this lovely time. It's going to be really harmonious, and all the children are going to be really engaged. But the reality is is that they're very often more engaged with their screens because they're wanting to be in contact with people back home. Do you think it's advisable just to ban screens and just don't take them with you or is there a bit of sort of give
0: and take? I would ban all screens (laughs) for all time given given the chance but I'm also a realist and know that that's unfortunately not going to happen. There was quite a bit of screen time from the teens on the Mexico trip but every family is different and you have to judge the situation uh it's unfortunate i i I almost i I feel for them that this horrible device has come along that kind of has changed everything it is just such a a a magnet for everyone's attention that it's kind of very difficult it's designed to be addictive isn't it social media that's that's a that is a problem Uh, at the same time they can have a great amount of fun with it and when they're all on holiday there's a there's something called snap maps which is a Snapchat feature and my twins were showing me and it was absolutely brilliant because you could see little kind of um emoticons or kind of com- comic versions of all their friends all around the world in these holidays so it was actually a rather fascinating exercise to see where you know, a lot of them were in the middle east a lot of them were in the caribbean um it was just kind of quite fun so they could all see where they were all holiday
1: um uh... And obviously, it's quite important for them to have boundaries. There's this idea that when we're on holiday, it's about having fun. You know, as parents, I certainly drink a lot more alcohol when I'm on holiday and eat a lot more sort of unhealthy food. We sort of indulge ourselves. And yet it's really important that even if the children see the parents kind of, you know, doing what they want, that it is that they have their sort of boundaries and those are established quite early on in the holidays. I remember so well when we went skiing as a family, My parents sat us down and they said, you can go out for as long as you want in the evening. There is no curfew as long as you are on the slopes with a smile on your face at whatever time the agreed time was. Um, And the moment that's not happening, then you're not going out. And I remember actually taking that really seriously um, and respecting the fact that we didn't have this sort of specific uh, curfew. But we were told you have to be enjoying this holiday and enjoying the skiing part of it. And actually that worked really well.
0: I think that's a perfect line and one that should be stuck to. Um, I think one of the dangers is when you don't stick to whatever the pre-agreed arrangement is and then you're really opening yourselves up for the uh, it's not fairs. But yeah, I think think that's a perfectly pitched... They they thrive on responsibility. They absolutely would love a bit of that, but it comes with consequences, so very important. Um, On the kind of specifics and things like... Alcohol, yes, it, it, it is difficult, isn't it? Because one is inevitably, probably, as you say, having a glass of rosé or whatever it is at lunchtime, and you wouldn't be doing that back at home. So, I think that the mocktail is one of the great inventions of all time, certainly for kind of a couple of fourteen-year-olds if they could be feeling like they were part of the part of the fun in the evenings, um, but without the potential consequences. That was a that's a good compromise, and then and it- very occasionally an actual
1: drink as well and I suppose again you know if you're going on holiday with other families having that chat beforehand like what are we going to allow them to do because there's no point if you're going on holiday with another family who's really relaxed about drinking and clubbing and you're just not it's going to be a terrible holiday for everyone involved sort of almost at that planning stage you need to think are we compatible and actually let's agree on these boundaries at the booking stage so that we're all on the same page
0: I think that's incredibly important, and, and that's not just teenagers either. Because to refer to screen time, um, if you we, we went on a villa holiday with a family, and both families had very different ideas of what was an acceptable amount of screen time, and inevitably, the the children who didn't have that much screen time were suddenly like, "Well, hold on a minute, you know what? That's not fair." Uh, the inevitable mm. phrase. Uh, so yes, absolutely, compatibility of families sharing villas is, or chalets is incredibly important
1: and I guess too when it comes to bedtime you know especially when you're talking about younger children there's no point I mean I remember thinking by the end of the day by 7 sort of seven I'm ready to have child free time so my children were always in bed and that's then totally ruined if the family that you're with is like oh no Mike can stay up till 10 and then you're like well we can't actually have an adult conversation and again that's at two very different ways to holiday and it just doesn't make for harmonious times if you're on different pages completely agree with that i was interested to see that um, you were talking about kind of advice from teens themselves Um, have you spoken to your girls or even slightly older children or even children that have kind of gone beyond the teen sort of years about what they liked and what they wanted sort of in terms of holidays
0: yes we when we put together our last family brochure we did a lot of research speaking to families both children and and the parents and and i think you you can't go wrong with constantly asking your audience of all ages what it is they liked retrospectively or what they would like to do on the next trip all helps kind of refine the process and improve the quality of what we're offering people um in terms of some of the kind of feedback, specific feedback we got from the teams to, to the point about negotiation in advance, set some guidelines, set some parameters, that's crucial. And then hopefully, if they're all stuck to, then the trip will be a, a roaring success. You then have another thing that we haven't talked about, which is bringing friends along. And I think that, that comes with a whole added fraughtness, potentially. And so it comes down to, you've got to pick the friend correctly. Are they the sort of person that is going to read the room, get on with your family, or are they going to be a kind of real thorn on the side and you, the teenager, are going to be kind of appallingly embarrassed by their behaviour and their inability to, to fit in? I think an element of competition is always very useful as well. Um, teenagers, boys, girls, doesn't matter or there's a competitive instinct in most in children if you kind of dig it out and keeping them keeping them interested in not necessarily just a competition at that precise moment, but kind of something that rolls along for the rest of the week that they can be thinking about and aim towards to be the kind of victor at the end of it. That's always quite a fun way of keeping teens in tow. Mm
1: hmm. I, and what about planning the holidays with the teens? I mean, I think, you know, by that, and, and actually maybe with some slightly younger children too, giving them the feeling that, they, although they might not necessarily have total autonomy, but giving the feeling that they are part of the planning process and that their voice about what they would like to do is, is being heard. Even if it's just, you know, getting out an Atlas or going on Google Earth and thinking, well, where shall we go? And then you point them towards where you obviously want to go and which hotel you want to stay in. but. Having them involved in that early stage gives them a the sort of beginning of the excitement, but also that sort of feeling that their views are respected and listened to.
0: Very much. And when we were in Mexico, there was a couple of very fun conversations about where next. And I put a few places on the table. I've always thought we should do a fun road trip through the Rockies and down to Vancouver and British Columbia. Um, a California road trip would be another classic. Of the genre of our particular age, and interestingly, the the twins were very much in the opinion that we, we've done some amazing adventures in Oman, South Africa, now Mexico. Um, they were quite interested, particularly in the next trip being much more of a stay in one place rather than the kind of itinerized road trip adventure, um, which is sad because you know I'm still very eager to get them out there and. Do more adventurous stuff, but my bank balance will be enormously relieved. I think <laughs> getting them involved is is very very important, and and they do love the responsibility. And it it actually threw up an answer that I wasn't expecting. I assume that they would absolutely buy my arm off for that sort of trip, and we will. You know, they will change their minds again, and I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will do both Canada and California. And I would love to take them to Japan another time. But yeah, sounds like next year we're gonna keep it keep it simple.
1: Well, and also you can be quite tactical. Like if you really want to go to Africa. Right you could just by chance end up watching a David Attenborough or a, I don't know, a film about Africa. Because very often I think we read about something or we watch something and you think, I would love to go there. It sort of whets your appetite. And so you can definitely sort of steer the children to make the decision that you want them to make, but with them having felt like they've driven this decision. And and I think also kind of movies and books um, and, and TV programs are actually a really good source of inspiration about which part of the world you'd love to discover.
0: Totally, and they're they're all obsessed with every wildlife program, into the imagination, and that yeah that's, yeah, that's an amazing way to engender wonderlust in in one's children. Um, I, funnily enough, diving is something I'm very keen to get them into because it's probably of all the kind of adventurous activities, that's the one I have the most passion for. Uh, and my wife is not a keen diver by any stretch of the imagination, so I'm. I'm definitely trying to groom the children into, into that. Um, and actually you can get them diving from a very young age. So Paddy, who are the kind of general body around diving, they have a, a course called Bubble Maker, which is a, a tri-dive for as young as 10. So you, know, you can get them kind of hooked on, on diving at a pretty early age. And even if you're not diving, snorkeling I think is a wonderful shared family activity. So yes, you can definitely nudge them into behaviours.
1: And then from a practical point of view, I remember once one of the biggest holiday faux pas we made is that we thought it would be really fun to hire a convertible car. And most convertible cars are really comfy if you're sitting in the front and it's not too windy. But if you're in the back, you get literally blown. <laughs> and so the kids have the most terrible drive literally being buffeted by the wind and we realized that actually this was just not a a very convenient uh option and much better if they were just the sort of two of you and i guess too those sort of really long road trips you know i think children often aren't that excited about views i can i remember driving down you know um the californian coastline and it was just spectacular but my children will look at the view and go that's nice and then they're kind of bored again and i think that sort of acknowledgement that the things that appeal to us as parents are not necessarily always the things that appeal to the children or at least not for the same sort of time frame so just thinking well that really appeals to us Um, is it going to be something that appeals to the whole family because actually the view is rubbish if your kids are whinging in the back of the car because they're so bored
0: that's that's very true I think you always need to dangle the we're doing this long journey because you know where we go next is pretty spectacular and you may not appreciate the the A to B bit but you will very much appreciate B when we go there um, I think any sort of expectation management that that's a rule for life really isn't it I guess but particularly with children and particularly with travel make them. You know, don't pretend it's only going to be two hours when it's going to be four. That's absolutely fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, lay it out very clearly, but explain why you've suddenly decided to take this you know, rather long detour or whatever it is. Um, but
1: then to also, you know, very often looking out the window is a totally different experience. I remember taking my kids on, a, on an amazing journey through Africa and we just hired this, this old Land Rover and we did like 12-hour journeys but because what they were seeing out the window was so different to the M4 or whatever motorway they were used to traveling in, you know, there was just, it was such a sort of richness visually that actually they were so happy to do these these long car journeys um, because it was just like, it was like there was a screen out the window.
0: Absolutely. I think one of our big mantras is if, if at all possible, take a train or drive when you're in a country rather than taking an internal flight and, and actually something we're very very keen on is train only portfolios so obviously getting on the Eurostar into Paris and then the, the network from there is unbelievable and the amount of places you can get to within 24 hours from the UK on a train is, is actually remarkable and yeah as you say staring out of a train window again not for too long and you know it'd be wishful thinking to think they're going to be fascinated by that for days on end but it can be a, a wonderful experience.
1: Mm. Bring a pack of cards. I always find that's quite a nice <laughs> exactly. on the train. Tom, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. I'm actually really excited about travel again. Um, if you want to find out more about Original Travel, which offers tailor-made trips for families who want expert advice and where to go, what to do, you can search for them. Um, but, Thank you all for tuning in to The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you found this podcast. And in the meantime, for Tom and me, thanks for listening.